perhaps that sense of what is it to be a citizen of the United Kingdom, you know, kind of... What does it mean to be British? Yeah, we've lost a sense of, like, community with one another, haven't we? Solidarity is the word. The bonds that hold our society together. And when you start to lose those bonds, when you need to be a society to, to fight off an external threat, it becomes difficult, just, just aren't used to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode, where we are joined by Hamza King, researcher for Republica and King's College philosophy graduate. In today's podcast, we're talking about Hamza's latest article, which alludes to how COVID-19 has exposed our contemporary view of freedom to be flawed, before we then go on to discuss other topics of social crises. Stay tuned for a take on COVID-19 that you will unlikely hear on any other mainstream media platform. Welcome to the Lost in the Middle podcast. Sit back and enjoy the Lost in the Middle podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to the sixth episode of the Lost Middle Podcast. Hey. We are joined today by mm-hmm. Manlak Hamza. Yeah, yeah. Bro, bro. As I used to call him back in our school days. <laughs> <laughs> Long time ago. Um, Hamza is a good friend of mine. We've known each other for what? I'd say about four, five, four, six five years. years? Something like that. So Hamza's recently graduated from King's College London with a degree in religion, (laughs) philosophy and ethics. Um, So he obviously knows his stuff, but the reason we've got him on is he's recently written an article in Res Publica talking about if we're truly free or enslaved to ourselves because of COVID-19. But welcome to the podcast, Hamza. Nice to have you on, bro. Yeah, Mm -hmm. thank you for having me. It's really nice to hear other people talking about kind of what's going on in the world right now. Well, yeah, it's pretty mucked up, isn't it? And that, it's easy for people to sort of go sort of into themselves more, but I think the longer this thing goes on, the more people are going to start sort of asking bigger questions. And your article definitely started off with that. Yeah, well, we're trying to look at kind of freedom. Yeah, it's just, it's a real big time in our society. First time, you know, whatever, a hundred years we've had to look at this stuff. Hundred percent. It's definitely um, what are they calling it? unprecedented time <laughs> in our history. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So yeah, just getting to the the premise of your. Um, your article, what was it that sort of motivated you to write about it? Right, well, so I'm, um, yeah, I'm doing research right now and uh, we're looking at freedom and kind of how you define freedom, if that makes sense. Now, COVID-19, loads of people are feeling like they're no longer free, right? You've got to sit at home, you can't go to the park, you can't go out and see people. And it's starting to prompt a lot of questions into how we should consider freedom. Now, my opinion um, and kind of... Uh, one that's quite controversial is that the the way we've been looking at freedom now is actually quite problematic, if that makes sense. It doesn't really cover the full picture. Mm. So um, I was trying to challenge the idea that freedom is as simple as, you know, letting individuals do as they want um, by looking to kind of ancient understandings and how people have defined freedom, not only throughout our history, but in other parts of the world, under other systems, and seeing how maybe if we were to take this kind of approach to freedom, you know, looking at it as something which maybe you have to attain, something that's kind of uh, a state which you're not, necessarily born into but you know maybe you have to work towards you might have a better way of looking at COVID-19 if that makes sense yeah definitely um my sort of understanding was that you were saying more if you're relying upon you being able to do whatever it is you want to do when you want to do then you're not really free in the sense that you as a sovereign human being can do as you please you're more uh, sort of enslaved to your own base instinct is that mm. kind of where you were that's going it. With it yeah so to start with there's a kind of new way of looking at freedom which is you know as we we're saying do as you want and then there's the ancient way which is that as people we are kind of born into a state of dependency we you know we rely on everyone around us and you know if we're left by ourselves in many ways we kind of we find it difficult to see what's for our own good right 
and that's why perhaps people are finding it kind of hard to to stay indoors etc etc because you know for you it's like oh i want to go outside that that would make you free but ancient understandings of freedom it's it's more to do with trying to overcome these things because if you think about how society operates now you know we need to self-isolate social distance be able to continue as as normal if that makes sense but because we've got so used to looking at freedom as something we're born into and not something we have to kind of work towards it is it's making it difficult in that sense yeah, yeah no it's very true because it's, it's like back in those days it's like if you were born into the lowest forms of life you were you could be like enslaved or just put to work straight away so you had to really really earn that sort of freedom if that's what you're getting at, and i think it was whereas now it's like freedom is almost freedom is a given without anything now and if you even argue towards it being like you're not free then you get shot down and <laughs> there's no chance there's no chance you're gonna go anywhere. Yeah. well this may be maybe one way of doing this i'm sorry i'm trying to think if i present this clearly is i asked just another question do you think you can be free to hurt yourself you know self-harm etc do you think that, that that's a state of freedom or, or suicide or do you think that that's something that maybe people kind of are in a state where they need someone they're not they're not free if that makes sense and another way of looking at it is maybe kind of you know, kids, you know, if a kid wants to go and buy cigarettes or alcohol, should you let them do that because they want to? Would that make them free, if that makes sense? You've got to look at whether people are kind of able to um, to see what's for their own good. So you're looking at sort of freedom within a context rather than looking at freedom as sort of an absolute... Yeah, yeah, we look at freedom as doing as you want. That's a very kind of narrow-minded approach if you simplistic. consider the fact that when you... Yeah, it's simplistic. You're, you're, if doing as you want isn't going to be for your own good, then you're not necessarily free by doing what you want. You're just kind of putting yourself in a position where you've got more to deal with and more to struggle with. Now, we've got used to, you know, being able to do what we want because we haven't had to deal with COVID-19. We've not had to deal with really big issues which force us as a society to kind of put the collective over the individual, if that makes sense. But when you have issues like this where, you know, there's such a big threat, it reminds you that it can't be as simple as, you know, I want to do what I want when there's more to it than that as an individual and also as a society. So I suppose in a simple, in, in a different sense, is f you're looking at whether freedom is about the individual or the collective. In times of emergency, you've got to put the group before the individual, right? And in times where people are, aren't dealing with things like COVID-19, the individual comes before the group. Now, one thing I tried to touch on in the article was the difference between the UK and China. In China, when the kind of COVID-19 outbreak came out, there was loads of human rights breaches. People were kind of forced indoors, the drones, and, and there was big concerns raised. But I suppose the other side of the argument, I'm not necessarily saying it's right, is that they were able to manage the situation quickly. Now, yeah, yeah. in the UK, we've not taking the same approach and i suppose you know that might make it more difficult for us to manage the situation we've tried to kind of try to prioritize the individual if that makes sense yeah. i guess the argument to have is like okay their human rights might have been breached but is that not better to reduce the spread of this virus and have their human rights being breached or whatever but controlling it and now they're actually opening up their borders wuhan is even is allowing people in and out is that not better than it was under lockdown for three months, don't forget. No, I know, I know. That is a long period of time. And of throughout those three months, it was very sort of, there were draconian measures imposed on the people there. So as you're saying, it's you're, the two things are, what is a lesser evil, I assume? Yeah. Letting this virus run rife in a free society or is what we believe to be free in like the sort of the infantile sense? The, prob or the problem I, yeah, okay. No, I'm only getting into it now because it, it is quite complicated. I want to try and make it as simple as possible. The problem with individual rights... Um, 
not having them kind of broadly, but with, with a system of individual before the group, which is what we have, is inevitably rights conflict with one another. Yeah. Your right to go outside conflicts with someone's right to not risk catching COVID-19. Your right to, you know, certain forms of sexuality conflict with religious rights. Your right to, you know, um, for example, in the COVID-19 crisis, your right to travel, again, it conflicts with other people's safety rights. And, and that, that's not just a problem during COVID-19. You know, you could look at you could look at that in a much more broad sense. The idea that the individual should be able to do what they want, you know, if they don't harm others, it, it it's a bit problematic. You know, in a world where where we do such harm to the environment, you could argue that that almost anything you do harms others, if that makes sense. So it's it's a a pivotal time, I think, in our history to start considering, you know, whether we are okay valuing the individual above the collective. I mean, you see how difficult we are finding it to fight the environmental crisis, and you know how letting people kind of Trust. develop this idea of freedom which is all about them and not about you know the group it, it works when people are doing well but you know in times like this and i tried to mention in the article you have to understand that if there is no society if you don't allow for a world or a society where you know things run off that run smoothly then individuals wouldn't have rights rights mm. individual rights are provided by government and that was a big kind of turn you know in our history yeah. where yeah. government started intervening to provide these rights and I yeah. think, in a sense, we've, we've grown touchy on the subject because, as you said, if you start to talk about rights or freedom in any other way but directed at the individual, then people say, oh, well, you're, you know, that's tyranny, that's oppressive, you know, you're breaking, you know, breaking all these kind of fundamental, you know, uh, ways of looking at things. And, and to me, I'm not saying that you should always put the group above the individual. I think the, the key point about the article here is people need to understand when the individual should have those freedoms and when the group should come before yeah. right and we've got so used to not having to put the group first that it's only now when you see you know natural disasters etc cetera, etc cetera, we are kind of reminded of that it's always an interplay between allowing a person freedom but also allowing the group to be strong enough to continue providing that person freedom so you would say that in this context that coronavirus as it stands now is definitely something that warrants prioritizing the collective over the individual Yes, and I think interestingly, you could actually apply that to other things. This is this is where it, where it starts to get interesting. If you if you accept that there are times when you should put the collective interest before the individual, yeah. then why not the environment? I mean, isn't the environment an oppressing issue which is is going to seriously affect generations to come? Do you know what's funny though? That all of the um, environmental like things that were being spoken about before COVID have now just disappeared mm. into nothing, and there's no risk to the environment anymore. I mean, and it's like, and understandably so, industry has slowed. Yeah. Obviously, there is, but it's like it, it's got to get, it's getting you thinking. Like, have they just got us thinking about this to take our eyes away from the real problem, which is like climate change, global warming, and stuff like that? Even though there has been a decline now it's still like the environment is pretty fucked even in terms of like the the plastics around the world not so much i think plastic's definitely an issue yeah like plastic's a big issue now but global warming and stuff that's really like gone under the been pushed under the bus and- i mean i think this coronavirus has shown just how quickly the um, environment can 
recover though because we're seeing reports of animals that are thought to be extinct and reappearing um, walking around roads and that sort of thing mm. just because of this lockdown over however many weeks it's been in certain parts of the world it is dank waking up and you actually hear like all these birds and animals around you That's... in the morning so i'm just like oh is this is this paradise and i look out my window and i like, no, it's london <laughs> 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 should be on a beach right now in vietnam <laughs> <laughs> london has been beautiful though i can't lie has been very the weather's nice. been it's very like a tease, nice. Isn't it? Bro, look at my tan. Yeah. I know, fam. Like, I'm brown. Yeah. Look at it, everyone listening. Gas. Look at his tan. <laughs> I think Hums is a bit more tan yeah. than you, though, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, just sitting at the edge of my window trying to suck up sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> I think basically what comes to the crux of this point, where because we're in a situation where, in your belief, demands we look at the collective over the individual. I think where I come into this and why I find it interesting is at what point does something become of such severity that we need to start prioritising the collective? Uh-huh. Because I am somewhat sceptical over the <laughs> the implications that COVID-19 have so far had on our society. I think it's over a third of the global population is currently under lockdown. There are lots of externalities to the situation that are going to be inflicted mm. upon the most vulnerable people. And yes, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of lives will be saved because of it. But we need to potentially look at the collective so to speak of the the sort of voices that go unheard i mean we've just come from a part of the world where we know that the lack of tourism alone is going to be catastrophic for the people that live there let alone the fact that their industries are slowing because we're no longer buying their products all of that type of thing there's a much broader picture to just what is saving the most vulnerable and making sure that european and other western um healthcare systems don't go overrun so yeah just on that point you made recently i've even heard um that there's concerns about certain kind of demographics being more susceptible to, to COVID-19, diabetes and high blood pressure. So yeah. there is, there's like kind of a problem with different groups being more vulnerable. And on the world stage as well, it's certainly, you know, really, you're right there in terms of the bigger picture. But with regards to collective over individual, that is another point which I think is important to touch on. Because I, I do try and mention this, you know, we passed laws in this country that will last for two years. The, the yeah. new laws brought in to tackle COVID-19 well, last two years and can be extended further. Um, they've also given ministers kind of you know power to, to to push through measures quickly. Now you might say this is not unnormal in times of war, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, when there is emergencies, there are excess, excess powers given, but it is very worrying. I, I do think, in a sense, um, mainly because we're not used to that kind of approach in this country. I, I don't want to sound cynical here, but you know, in a sense, the, the way China managed COVID nineteen, you know, perhaps. The, that was something they were more used to as a country there, the kind of collective yeah. and, and being able to restrict these rights. But if you were to try and do that in this country, you'd probably have a much bigger pushback. So um, I think it... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very hard well, I to... Watched, I, sorry, just to interject. Please. I watched um, this thing on the news where they were interviewing the Italian Prime Minister um, and he was basically saying along that point that you were just saying that people's cultures are completely different. Like China managed to handle it in such a way because... If they're told to do something, they will do it without any questions being asked. Well, they know they have no fucking choice. <laughs> if they don't, <laughs> exactly, then they're going to risk but he some was saying, serious shit. He was shit. saying, like, in Italy, that's why he was saying, like, we probably got murked a bit more than we should have. Because if I immediately came in and said to all of these Italians, you better stay indoors or you're going to get murked, they wouldn't do a thing. <laughs> like, it's just... It's, a changing culture yeah. which is not his fault or anyone's fault but it's like that's why that is another reason why they've probably managed to handle it so well because I feel like a, a lot of Asian cultures are like that where collective 
the group comes first. Yeah. Well, we saw and, it. Yeah, we, exactly. we, we saw it firsthand in Vietnam. Mm. The prevalence of COVID-19 was minimal. And I mean, I know the context of their country, they would be overrun a lot quicker if the virus was to spread there. However, it, I mean, there were less than 100 cases in the country and it was on lockdown in a more serious manner than the UK was up until a couple of weeks ago. And even then, like, you, you go out on the street now, you're still going to see people up to midnight, maybe later. In Hanoi, where we were staying, there was nobody there. No one. Apart from a few pimps trying to sell you their girls. Well, if the police yeah. come in and tell you to go home, you put your tail between your legs and you walk home, no questions asked. Yeah, no yobbiness. People are saying, you fuck off, you dick. Yeah. You stop being <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just... Just on that point, I mean, because I've noticed this, and, and it, it's definitely you know true culturally. But is is it is it a bad thing necessarily that that Chinese and maybe you know citizens in other parts of the world do respond that way? Is that something that's because you know the argument right. is all oh, that I, strips away I individuality. Love the does mentality it? in life. I, mm. I, I'm in love with like how obedient <laughs> they are and respectful of yeah. one another. See, this yeah. is where we're going to have a conflict of uh, a conflict of opinion here. But no, carry on with your mm. point. No, I, I, I bear, I bear it. Honestly, I feel like we we just take our pride too seriously in this country, and if we're told to do something, then people are just like, yeah. I, I feel like there's there's quite a big mentality of like, oh, I'll do it in two minutes. Yeah, here. I'll do it at my own time. Whereas over there, it's like, I'll do it right away. Yeah, no questions Ooh. asked whatsoever. I think if you were to look at the UK the last time that anything was like this during the war, there was a sense of community that would lead people to act in a far more, say, Asian way, <laughs> where you put the collective in front of you. So I don't think that is true of our culture that we don't do it. I think it's more that our culture has become, I mean, this is kind of what your article was going into about how our culture has become a culture where the individual is prioritised to such an extent that, I mean, there's legality on the way you can address somebody. Somebody who believes to be whoever they want to be is arguably prioritised above the right of others to speak freely mm -hmm. and although that's not exactly the case in the UK just yet we're yeah. following that trend where the right to speak freely is at odds with another's right to not be offended to say disproportionately prioritised over yeah. some but cultural unity or an idea of cultural unity mm. I think you also brought up a very good point about the um, article 122 that was passed last Thursday mm -hmm. I believe um Sounds yes. There is some quite worrying shit in that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, it's it's a tough one, and this is what I, you know, trying to get out. It does almost seem like there's no right answer Wait, here. Wait, for the listeners who don't know what was said in Article One. I mean, it'd be interesting if Hamza, what was your understanding of it? Well, I mean, the, the two points I kind of mainly picked up on because I was trying to, I was trying to kind of uh, isolate the things that I think are very worrying are the, the extent to which you know laws can continue to to. to to be enforced, if that makes sense. Now, the uh, Article 221... Um, Is it 221 or 122? It's called Coronavirus Act 2020, Bill 122. Just so everyone knows, because you can literally type that in and everything we're about to talk about is there on the internet for you to literally read in your own time. I mean, the thing is, is that what we're talking about are little um, bits that are going to be taken out of like an over 300-page document. So it's a lot of reading to do, and because it's all legal writing, it is quite sort of strenuous to get through it. But yeah, carry on with the two points that you said sort of stuck out. Yeah, it's, to me, it's the, the extent to which they can bore in, as I was, I was saying, the kind of the, the two-year thing. The thing about um, uh, national emergencies uh, and, and things like this is there's always a problem and a risk that government are going to try and cling to power after the emergency's gone. There yeah. is no time frame in which they have to be dissolved, and the idea that, you know... Um, 
you're going to introduce something and make such massive changes to our society without a kind of exit plan and a way of, of reversing these changes. I think it's very worrying to me. The thing about laws are that they're, they're quite difficult to revoke, you know, once, once you've yeah. got them through Parliament. When they're there, they're there. Um, they're exactly. <clears throat> no, exactly. But, I mean, if there's other angles well, that you want to talk no, about. No, I agree with what you're saying. So what they've done is they've made it an indefinite change to law. However, they have stressed how it's temporary and they said that it will only last two years. But, I mean, there's no nothing in the paper to sort of automatically enact the dissolvement, basically. Mm, there's nothing written in yeah. there for it to sort of be reversed automatically in the next mm. two years. There are, however, four points in which government can, or parliament can, uh, revise the bill. So every six months they can revise it and see if it's necessary anymore. But as you said, they're going to need to mm. reach a majority on those to make the decision that, oh, we don't need these powers anymore. And I mean, think about how much fucking change can happen in two years. They've given themselves that power for two whole years. I mean, we're meant to be, we're meant to be self-isolating for another, f you know, they said three weeks at the beginning. So if, if self-isolation was only forecast for three weeks, and I, and I, I'm, I'm almost certain it's going to be extended, but yeah. if that's, if that's the, the starting point, I, I just don't see why the need for two years in, is. Surely you could have passed a bill that lasts less long. And then, mm. you know, if there's need to extend, extend it then i don't see how that would be much more of a difficulty and and i think the other thing that was worrying and it's not so much to do with the actual laws themselves as it is with the enforcement that it's been a big kind of you know move towards using drones and i know in the articles i've read or the, the um, articles i've read anyway they, they're not saying that uh drones are, are necessarily being used to kind of enforce things yet but they're being used to kind of uh get a feel for who's been traveling so they, there was one who saw people in the Lake District and they could find their number plate was regist registered to Sheffield to like further away so they could work out how far away from their house they had left. And, yeah. you know, you hear in, in other parts of the world, people getting knocks on the doors and police saying, you've left your house. And they said, how do you know? And they said, oh, well, we saw you on a drone. And, and you know, the, the word they use is Big Brother State, a surveillance state, brother, you know, yeah. a kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. 1994. Yeah, you know, Brave New World. 1984. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's fucking edit that shit 1984 <laughs> mm. <Yeah. laughs> I forget to study yeah. that book for English Lit bro how did I get that wrong <laughs> but no yeah. China has started doing uh, I think Jono you told me about this where they're they're really getting big on sort of the big brother state well they've been doing it for fucking like... ages like the the social credit scores and all that type of thing where if in some cities Unbelievable. you're caught on CCTV jaywalking which is the oh, American term for <laughs> wow nice to listen, meet listen, you listen listen I'm just going to say now before you keep going <laughs> if, I'm not going to talk if it's just, just wishy-washy. I'm just taking in the information like you're listening. If I have anything worthy of note, I will say it. Ollie's here for the comic relief, <laughs> it? It's calm. When, he, when, he's, when there's an opportunity for a fart joke that's contextual to what we're talking about, he's going to be right there. So if their CCTV was to catch you jaywalking, that type of thing, then you'd be not only publicly shamed on these large LED screens on the sides of buildings, but they would also... Um, put a negative credit score next to your name, which is on a sort of a nationwide uh, database where if your score gets too low, um, it can prevent you from being able to travel outside of the country, uh, taking out loans, buying, uh, getting a mortgage. It can prevent you from being able to homeschool your child and all of these things. It's just, if anything like that was to come to the UK, I mean, I'd be... It'd be uproar. You'd be doing what? You'd be doing what? Definitely be going down as a martyr. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way we're letting that happen but this is why this bill 122 is such a scary prospect because they are showing just how quick well we've in our lifetime 
it's gone from there is no way that someone's allowed to forcibly take anything from you or detain you in any way unless it is there is good suspicion that you have done something wrong uh, and there are multiple people involved in sort of verifying the claim that you've done something wrong. Nowadays, yeah. in the last week, it's gone from that to the second that one individual who is either a constable, some other form of police officer, a um, immigration officer or a Basically, any public health have. officer. I mean, you yeah. need to also look at it. It's not very hard to get some of these jobs. But anyway, um, these people are now allowed to, if they suspect you of being ill, being um, infectious with the disease, they are allowed to almost indefinitely detain you just on their word. They can detain you for up to 48 hours just on their word. Then if they want to hold you for longer, they get other people to say, yeah, we're holding you for longer and it can be extended indefinitely. They are allowed to forcibly take biological samples from you. They're allowed to take blood samples, whatever they want. They're allowed to forcibly administer vaccinations and other form of medication. They are allowed to effectively do whatever it is they deem is necessary for the greater good. And this is where you're talking about the collective good over the individual good. I mean, there seems yep. to be a... For the collective, it's not good that an individual can sort of suffer that consequence of being perceived to be infectious when there's no real I mean this is the thing as well they said that if the test results came back and they were inconclusive mm -hmm. they can hold you still a little still. bit like we're jumping into communism in the UK well yeah no it does I mean the collective <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 <laughs> it sounds like something that's worth, uh, worth I mean addressing. that's how it starts that's how, that's how a lot of this stuff this, this kind of way of thought in a sense it starts it starts from hardship i mean the thing about the the piece i wrote is quite intellectual but but try and think of it in more simple terms right before you know you had mass societies where you didn't have to worry about natural disasters you didn't have to worry about other you know groups of people kind of taking your mm. stuff you would be living in groups you know a big part of the criticism around liberalism and the individual is that we're social beings we live yeah. in groups our sense of purpose our identity our meaning is developed in groups and we're talking about culture i mean i'll, I'll say just now i remember like you know kind of greek culture you know southgate <laughs> greek culture <laughs> that I playing football. Yeah. Mate, i wish i could say i remember that shit i'm fucking living in it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no but i noticed that was one, one of the things i noticed and i really liked about that kind of you know approach is it is very community orientated and i don't want to be sounding like one of those people that's kind of you know uh sounding really draconian and backwards but i think what i'm trying to get at here is is that it's not necessarily just religious principles that encourage discipline aristotle you know i'm referencing philosopher he wrote the politics 300 years before jesus this, this idea that freedom is tied to a sense of of discipline and the idea that individuals must have this it has gone back a long time and when you're talking about the worry about the collective i think this is where it it comes mm. together quite nicely here so you know you can't let the individual have too much freedom uh, if they aren't able to stop themselves, you know, you can't give society too much without giving government that kind of supreme power. So you're looking for that middle yep. ground. And that's the real kind of argument I was trying to get to. I, I hope it was clear enough. But the idea is that if you had, and Aristotle's main argument in education, if you had a society where people understood these things, understood you know, and you say, how do you know when it's necessary? I think, I think we could say with COVID-19, you know, it's, it's kind of clear in this sense, right? With, with, mm, with wars, yeah. perhaps, that to some degree, you have to prioritise the collective, yeah. Yeah. right? Mm. The reason why it gets yeah. problematic is because when people don't listen, the government have to step in. The reason they're justifying new laws is because people aren't following the rules. And I talked about the ideal. What if in an ideal world, everyone just listened and went indoors, 
the virus wouldn't spread. You know, you need you need a vector. You need someone to spread, and and then you wouldn't have to worry. Yeah, that's true. You see, mm. Donny's on Snowdonia sunbathing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there might be a deeper yeah. issue to this though, because please, the reason why people aren't listening in a certain way, I think it's naive to assume it's just the arrogance of the individual. I think it's more to do with how. Mm-hmm. Our society has developed to have an inherent distrust for uh, figures of authority. Seen time and time again, where I mean, like if you're looking at our mainstream media, we know they're biased. Mm. We know that the mainstream media will manipulate the public to sort of propose some sort of agenda. We don't know what the the end game is, but we know for a fact now mm. that sensationalism and wanting to sort of sell the next big story or to help out governments in some cases, it's no longer a an independent yeah what you're saying about not trusting the government i think that, that kind of ties into it here you know we built we built a society where people don't trust you know kind of things around because they don't necessarily have to you know that that individual that focus on the individual it has effects on the way we behave and and a big part about this is the way that people kind of you know adapt after growing up as we all have in a culture where you know you encourage kind of you know just a lack of discipline shall we say you encourage people to eat fast food instead of cooking a nice meal or yeah. you know to to yeah. intoxicate rather than training what what that does is it, it builds in these practices and you know the thing about not trusting government i think you know that, that's definitely a factor here as another point perhaps i think a lot of it's just that people aren't used to it you know and, and it comes back to the china india thing again we're not used to it and to us maybe that's something we consider to be a good thing because, oh, well, we're not like those in other parts of the world that they'd, they'd say where, you know, people just listen. But in a sense, when when you realise how how much our society could kind of really be, be influenced by COVID-19, perhaps if we were to take a more kind of collective approach in this circumstance, not generally necessarily, but in this circumstance, the people were more able to. And, you know, I know it's a big ass, you know, it's not yeah. <laughs> an easy So you're saying you'd want a society to be more educated in order for the this sort of to realise In itself, a broader right? sense. I'm not saying you have to go to university to understand these things. And I think, yeah, this is, this is you know, yeah. it's it's about not just education. Basically a lack of ignorance in general. Yeah, it's... Like it's people to have a bit more sort of substance to their knowledge of the It's to do with citizenships, shit, citizenship specifically, sorry, citizenship. Yeah. I think that's what I mean. Citizenship. <laughs> That's basically what the UK is, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. I think people, at a fundamental level, are are just not aware of these things. We've lost that kind of sense of being part of a group. We've lost that kind of patriotism. And in in, in a weird sense, that's what the far-right movement's pushing back against. That, you know, that kind of, perhaps that sense of what is it to be a citizen of the United Kingdom, you know, kind of where there's there's so many what other... What does it mean to be yeah, British? We've lost a sense of, like, community. Solidarity. Another, Solidarity is the word, yeah. You'd say, like, kind of the bonds that hold our society together. And when you start to lose those bonds, when you need to be a society to, to fight off an external threat, it becomes difficult because mm. people just, just, just yeah. aren't used yeah. to it. So there's too much, in yeah. a way, multiculturalism. There's no more... As I was talking about, um, if you go back to the wars mm. and that, we were still very much... Uh, the nation acted in its own interest. We all had a sort of common goal. Now, yeah, we're not unified together as a community anymore. No, we? there are conflicting um, morals, principles, lots of things where your neighbour may not necessarily be your friend in the same way that he would have been however many years ago. Mm. And do you know what liberalism promised to get over that? Because that's it. Liberalism's three things: freedom for the individual. Equality before the law and fraternity. Fraternity is social, the bonds that hold us together. Liberalism argued, if you give people individual rights, the bond that keeps them together 
will be the fact that they all want individual rights. So they'll agree to live together in harmony because the individual rights will be something they can bond together over. Now, yeah. that doesn't really seem to be Fast. working. Then you get mm. fucking Barney next door trying to do a loft conversion <laughs> At yeah. like eight in the morning, and you're like, like "Stop oh, your fucking yeah, yeah. sleep, exactly. you little dickhead." <laughs> exactly. No one cares about his rights. Yeah, no one cares about your right to you know go and just just make loads of noise or throw shit on the road. And, I mean, when yeah. when did our society become a liberal society? That's a that's a good question. So John Locke's considered the father of liberalism. He wrote the two treaties of government in 1698, I believe. And then you had developments throughout that period up until about 1859. You had John Stuart Mill write on liberty, which is like a very big liberal piece. And then those were the two uh, were two big thinkers in this country. So it, it developed from the 1600s up, and I'd say around the 1800s, the Enlightenment. Mm. So although it's not working at the moment, it worked to get us to where we are today. Definitely, the interesting thing interesting thing and uh, and i've been trying to look at history and uh, you know trying to get a picture for it you would think we go in a straight line but we kind of you know history repeats itself so we go in circles liberalism mm. developed after we'd lived as societies that have been ruled by kings john locke his first treaties he's disagreeing with the divine right of kings the idea that kings had a divine right from god which meant that we should follow them because they were divinely inspired and he said that makes no sense we as individuals can live together without that understanding and, you know, we get into liberalism and then John Stuart Mill kind of developed it further. I mean, it, it was a development away from what we consider to be maybe more traditional forms of government way, for example, the church or, you know, whatever yeah. institution would be involved. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying we should go back to that. No. And this is where people get touchy. I'm not saying we should go back to an old style way, but I'm saying that what you lose when you move away from the kind of culture and unity and, you know, the spiritual values is you lose some of the things which kind of make us fulfilled and happy and unified. And even though we're at a point now where we can't go back to how we were, we can look at, you know, not just religion, not just religious thought, but philosophical thought, societies that lived mm. thousands of years ago. Yeah. And the way they, you know, they approached this stuff, it was all to do with training, you know, and, and community. They had, like, common meals were a big thing in Greek societies to keep people together. And um, for me, it's not as much about, you know, liberalism being a horrible thing. I don't believe that. It was a natural development. It's just about as we've got so far in and we see how it causes problems... How do we manage them? And a lot of the things to do with managing them, you know, are kind of looking back to the past in an interesting sense and seeing how they looked at things in the past. So what do you think, what would you suggest is the, the most favourable next step with the situation that we find ourselves in today with COVID-19 and British society in general? Mm. So yeah, that's right. So now you get from theory into practical and all the mm. like books and shit start to mean <laughs> fuck all, yeah. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, right. How do you actually do something with this knowledge, right? Okay, so, um, yeah, that's, that's the part. I didn't realise that's, that's what I was asking when I asked it, but yeah, fair. <laughs> no, no, it is. Well, I mean, you can talk about all the books and dates, I suppose, that you want, but the, the, the thing you're trying to get to here, and I think with COVID-19, I mentioned it, is a humble, a more humble understanding of freedom. I think, and this is my own opinion here, so, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. I, I genuinely think that we have allowed ourselves as a society to get to a point where we have forgotten how 
how much we rely on others. A big thing about freedom is independence. And because of COVID-19, because of the environment, because of all these threats to our independence as people, you know, on this planet, we have to start looking at, you know, freedom as more instead of just something which allows you to do whatever you want. It's something you have to kind of train. You have to get yourself to a point where you don't rely on, you know, other things for your happiness. Do, do, do you see what I mean here? Okay, right. <laughs> no, 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 I am. I'm following. Do you see what I mean? It's no, hard, right. bro. Okay, I well, do it as well when I'm running off and then my mouth can't keep up my brain tangents. and the brain's too far ahead to link it up and it's just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one practical policy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to quickly turn my light on, sorry, because no, yeah, it might be on main. It's put me off a little bit. It was better when yeah. I could see. <laughs> Oh, there he is. So I just say one. So one practical thing, and I think this is the kind of the only thing I can say really solid for my for my piece. I think there is genuinely a need to start teaching young people about citizenship and what it means to be a citizen more. I know it sounds kind of wishy washy. Oh, you want to teach you know kids CZ again and you know PSHE and all that nonsense. But I think there's a big focus in our schools on university and you know drive 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 success 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 and that means yeah. you forget about the basic things not only just taxes and how to manage your life but how do you keep yourself one happy as a person and two how do you act in a way that's responsible so that you know you, you're so not so you're basically suggesting we reform the education system not the whole thing aspects of it yeah Aspects. Yeah, definitely. Well, just from my time at Bristol, it was probably one of the worst stints for student suicide. Yeah. Like, exactly. I think one of the years, uh, there was nearly 10 students that committed suicide so just because up. of how, how much pressure they were under. I mean, Bristol. I knew some of the educational system. tried to commit suicide as well at uni when I was there. So mm. it happens. Yeah, like, how can... How can a uni be that bad? Force someone into that deep dark. Place I mean, it's not always the universities. Like, it's not the universities. Well, fault, obviously, there's but, like some sort of men mental disorder yeah. there or something like that. But it is stemmed from yeah, yeah. a lot of these things are stemmed from stress, stress. aren't they? So yeah. it's learning how to manage. You know, we don't teach people how to manage these things, and I think it's 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 wrong to say you can't teach someone this. I mean, people do have to learn their own lessons, but you of know, of course, but you, you can learn to, from the mistakes of others as well. You mm. guide, you you cultivate, you 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 know, you teach someone. Yeah. A, a child that grows up without parents that that guide them and support them or no one, they don't turn out to be the best kids, right? It's the ones who've got that guidance, and I don't think that's just something mm. you should look at. And it's families, not necessarily the parents you need. I mean, do. that is obviously like the biological no, way in which yeah. you've been. Narrow. Like that is the sort of the failsafe. I mean, some people, parents end up horribly doing that type of shit. But um, yeah, you Ooh, need that guidance. You need those. Um, uh, what word am I oh, looking I'm for? Sorry, people wait, to. Can you hear all this clapping? Oh, it's going to be. Oh, yeah. for the NHS. NHS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, back to um, back to the point. But no, um, everyone listening to the podcast is like. <laughs> I feel this quite fascinating because um, my parents both worked in education and they were saying that from the time that they remember being in school as students to then becoming teachers and now being parents of people because we have two younger sisters right now who are just coming through secondary school the entire education system has not changed in any significant manner for 50 plus years yeah, that's crazy and then you think about, about how much the world's <laughs> changed yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. How far yeah. the world has changed and how little our education system has changed. I think you might be hitting the nail on the head that education is what's dropping, basically. That is yeah. where most of these problems are lying. And then 
if you want to get into some shit, I mean, the people that are creating the syllabus, the people that are selling the textbooks, all this stuff. I mean, if we want to talk about just mm. how flawed education is, I'm going on a bit of a rant here. No, but shut up! I remember. Fuck <laughs> 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 me. It's like, it's four minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> all right. I remember, yeah. Pick up the NHS. I remember being in year 10 history class and we were learning about the Vietnamese War. And I remember learning about how the war started. The Gulf of Tonkin, a um, American warship, battleship, was attacked by Vietnamese. Yeah? Mm. Mm. It was then only maybe five years ago. So this is after the fact I've passed my GCSE based on knowledge like that. I then go to somehow, I mean, I probably went down a few rabbit holes researching conspiracies and all this type of shit. And mm-hmm. it is now proven fact, and they've admitted to it, that there was no attack on that ship. And the Vietnam War started because they lied and said that they were attacked in order to justify the invasion of Vietnam. So yeah. we oh are learning that's, that's crazy. not only outdated information because it had been admitted <clears throat> before the fact. Like I was learning this stuff after it had already been admitted that, that actually wasn't the case. And if you look at that as one part of education where we're learning history, which is literally incorrect, and then the fact that it hasn't changed at all for 50 plus years, it's underfunded, etc., etc. It's all, I mean, there's, I'm surprised society is doing as well as it is. And you know what? I think you got you hit a nail on the head. Like, in my opinion, it's like, why does everyone need to be doing, you know, like STEM subjects? <laughs> They're just funneling people through this, like, kind of, you've got to work to help grow with the world you know you've got to be yeah. built and it's like mm. i get it you know if you want to do that but you know then you have that whole stigma it's like oh well why do you study you know english or philosophy it's like oh, is, is it outdated or, is, <laughs> or you know i don't, I don't get yeah, it but personally. being like devil's advocate in this argument mr geographer but no the it is undeniable that the world is changing to a more technology based art uh, like interwebs tech culture so those subjects are more i don't want to sound peaking no say it say it no. <laughs> they're, 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 yeah, they're now basically more important just because of the way the world is going in in terms of however what you're saying right there is kind of going back to Hamza's point they're more important to the individual working in that field because he's able to progress his career more so based upon the fact that there's a high demand for people working in that field however for the collective as a whole that isn't helping the people committing suicide, eating too much, getting diabetes, etc., falling ill, etc., etc. So I completely agree with what you're saying. Then also, I think that ties in quite nicely to what Hamza's trying to get to, I think, with his whole article. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I didn't actually... I know what you mean. It's, it's kind of related to the article. I think Not to your article, much... sorry. With your the philosophy that you're Yeah, no, no, here. the argument, the thought. 100%, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's the idea that, that we've... It was a big thing about liberal arts, about kind of, you know, humanities being a way of, of educating people. You know, the, the Greeks would call it a moral education throughout our history. You call it kind of, and I know what is moral, you know, is it is it this way or that yeah, way? But there are some general themes, you know, kind of discipline, you know, routine, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think... Uh, what uh, is that dog doing, Fucking fam? dog is barking. <laughs> yeah, that was it. it was Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> so like he's like a meme, innit? And now stems, stems are important, 100%, but they just why 100%. everyone? Why is it got to be? Why is it? Why? Why like? I mean, and arguably it's not anyone either. Me, like if you look at mm. today, bro, there are so many fucking degrees that are 
obscure and everything that there's a lot yeah, that aren't doing thing. stem cells that I think, piece of paper is pretty worthless mm, nowadays yeah, yeah like the the yeah, stems are really. almost it's, it seems as though there are so many people going into stem subjects but then where is that getting us in a way well it's like advancing our societies into a funnel where we're easier to control because we're like we're all buying these products. We're all being... We can easily get the information that we want. We can be told information that... the So, man like Luke's finding the best place to hire the... Uh, to mine the cobalt and this, that and the other to then go in the device that's going to be tracking him and his family back in the London with yeah. all this. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all comes yeah. full circle. But is it a chicken or an egg though, Luke? Because this is, this is another thing. It's, are we encouraging stem subjects because society's moving these ways or is society moving these ways because we're encouraging stem subjects and you know that's the kind of big thing about whether the the, the, the state we're in now has been a natural development or not and you know again I'd, I'd have to say I, I think in an interesting sense you know it was the society that we've kind of built which is which has made those those things mm. more valuable yeah and i know again you know it does it does sound very touchy because you start to come down to well how do you stop people doing all this stuff how do you stop things like facebook if everyone wants to use it but i mean fair enough but at some point you gotta accept that you know facebook are taking the piss bruv like you, you want to let society <laughs> develop in that way because everyone wants to do it and then there's freedom with no restrictions because you think that some free market you know is gonna in that in, in this sense is gonna just you know solve everything then you have to come back to at some point you know, regulating things. And the, the, the way society is developed is very unregulated, I suppose. And, and, and I think, you know, social media is just a prime example, really. In social media, know, there's an hypocrisy a... in it that, I mean, you're saying that they've come about because everything's been so unregulated. But then you get on these social media platforms and they are heavily regulating the content that's allowed to be up on there. Mm. Oh, so, but you know, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean about heavily regulating it. But then for me, it's more about the, the data, the data fiddling, the idea that there's an echo chamber, that people who go on social media are fed content what that they, they are interested in. Yeah, right? yeah. And then if we're talking about humans as being highly influent, highly, you know, susceptible to being influenced, people that aren't born, you know, with the ability to differentiate good from bad necessarily. And then you have a, a system which funnels them ideas that they're already thinking so that when they're about exactly. to vote. Well, bruv, you only have to talk about some product that you want for five minutes and your phone starts yeah. shooting up ads on Instagram and Facebook. And you're like, oh, wow, I was you just talking about it. Let me buy that. And then you're like, hang on a minute. This is I'll the tell bit you of now. We've been now. talking about because I was talking about McD's and I'm seeing Uber Eats off McDonald's takeaway. Uh, yeah. Love a little Big Mac, mm. and then I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry." We've, we've spoken <laughs> enough about education that I bet you're going to get things like um, masterclass. Have you seen those masterclass yeah. ads? That yeah. pop? I guarantee you, we're going to get uh, masterclass yeah. pop up on Instagram today. Yeah, but these echo chambers mm. are definitely a thing. I mean, I was vegan for nearly three years, and. I was only shown positive uh, vegan propaganda on all of my adverts, my social mm. media feeds, everything. Um, towards the end of my sort of vegan stint, I was starting to research the... Well, not towards the end. I always researched the other side, but I went sort of heavy down the line of researching like the carnival diets and that type of thing. Just I wanted to get a broad understanding of everyone's point of view. Because, I mean, it's naive to think mm. that your way is the right way when there are other people reporting testimonies just as strong as yours and all this type of shit. But anyway... Um, it did not take long for the algorithms to kind of flip. And then rather than getting sort of anti-meat, pro-vegan, I was getting anti-vegan, pro-meat. And both of them seemed to have these scientists that were telling you that it was the right way. Both of these things mm. seemed to tell you that the data was in their favour, this, that and the other. And you can understand that, as you're saying, if somebody lacks any 
sort of uh, mentors or guidance outside of their social media echo chambers, they can be very easily manipulated and misled by the sort of content that they're exposed yeah, to. Definitely. I mean, you know what they used to do in cinemas? They used to flash popcorn on the screen very fast and people wouldn't realise it's called subliminal messaging. And it, and every time like people would see these, they'd eat more popcorn. And it was a method that they used in cinemas for a long time, right? And, and the question <laughs> is, are these people eating That's popcorn crazy. freely out of choice or are they eating popcorn because, you know, maybe because, you know, they haven't got other resources or because, you know, we are, as people, just, and this is a, a, what the Greek thought comes down to, we are quite susceptible. Wait, hang on, bruv, before, before you yeah, go me. into that, before you yeah. go into that, you always get the popcorn before you go yeah. in, bruv, stuff <laughs> down your trousers, stuff it down your trousers. <laughs> not paying for anything, bruv. You stop this philosophical punchline. <laughs> you sneak it in. You talk about stuffing popcorn being stuffed down your trousers. Down <laughs> <And> the trousers. <laughs> No, it's relevant, it's relevant, it's relevant. It's credible. <laughs> yeah, everyone's thinking about that right now. Yeah, no. It's true, bro. It's true. No, so I can't fucking believe it, bro. I was like, you really <laughs> did that? <laughs> <laughs> to the crux of the point. I was like, yes, we're there. Who's proof backing butter popcorn? Listen, we're gonna go, we're gonna change this from philosophy <laughs> podcast to philosophy slash comedy. <laughs> it already right. takes me long enough to get to the point, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, popcorn before you go in, obviously. So back to the flicking yeah, popcorn. Flicking popcorn. Flicking popcorn is the same as social media. And if you don't think... See, that would have hit that, so much better know, if you let him fucking finish. Because now it just sounds yeah, sterile. It's like, what's a popcorn? Like, hey, what did you say in the build-up to that? Yeah. Let's try and... Sort okay, I'm going to build up. Jokes, right. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to build up. I'm going to build up. Let's, we'll, we'll cut no, it was jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it was jokes. And I'm grateful for it because it's going to make this funny. Yeah. Like, now nah, I hear you. I hear you. So you got to keep it going. You've been trying to... Uh, trust. We need to have funny bits and yeah, serious fuck. bits. <laughs> what was I going to say? Um... Yeah, think about popcorn social media. I mean, look, man, are people really free to vote if if they're if they're being flash messages which are encouraging them to vote a certain way? And I know it's you know you could say oh you know to a degree yeah, but at some point if you accept you know as old societies did that people are susceptible to their environment and if you put them in an environment that encourages them to behave a certain way, then they will. If you accept that. Maybe you should be focusing on trying to build an environment which is, encourages people to, you know, vote without looking at their social media. You know, do you see what I'm saying? I mean, why it's, was marketing? It's about the environment yeah, you build. Well, it was a big thing at uni when, like, a lot of people were very, very pro-Labour. Um, and then mm. if you picked any other any other party but Labour, you you were massively looked down upon. And then you could... Labour or I know Brexit. a lot of my friends... I know a lot of my friends were kind of pressured into their vote just because of the effects that social media were having, maybe subliminal, subliminally... Until they subliminally. got into that room with that little <laughs> pencil and then they went, fuck off, Labour. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Labour conservatives, sort of the same to me. I mean, I, I mean, to be honest with you, like we talk about liberalism, Labour and conservative. Well, Labour's probably more communist now. We have they've, they've gone back a bit. They were very much communist for. under. Corbyn, they were. But they, they've taken a couple steps Corbyn, back yeah. now under um, Keir, Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer. Mm. I mean, I just like for me voting. I, I'm going to be honest with you here. For me, it's, it's it is really always the lesser of two evils. Like, and, and that is a hundred percent. I've always thought as well. And, when have you, you know, ever noticed a substantial change after anyone's been voted in? Unless Have I, sorry, whatever, I, whatever legislation report? they introduce just so happens to pinpoint the industry you're in or whatever, the, mm. the sort of the nas- nationwide uh, reaction to any election is pretty minor. 
Yeah. I haven't noticed anything in my lifetime. I know I'm only like 23, so I haven't experienced much, but I have not noticed much change no matter who yeah. is in control, supposedly. Yeah. Because they're all, they're all operating under the same system, you know? Yeah. Free market, economics, you know, yeah. socially liberal politics where, you know, everyone's kind of, you know, it's, it's yeah. You know, I'm quite quite upset with the state of affairs. <laughs> mm. I can't lie. I, I must no. say that. I feel like we're really, we're really just like, it shows you how, how just destructive people, humans can be, you know, like. If you I mean, this is the thing as well. So where are the solutions to this? Because it's also like this, we don't want to leave people... In no, this podcast no. feeling too depressed like of course, what yeah, is yeah. the the light at the end of the tunnel well <laughs> we are already as a society starting to question the system we're, we're living under you know people already with yeah. extinction rebellion are noticing how you let the market go on you know on her unregulated you destroy the environment and i think the real kind of kind of next step for us as a country i think you know i'd like to hope is to start to address, you know, some of the issues we have with keeping people harmonised. Solidarity is the way. I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, we're suffering from here and, and, and the biggest thing that liberalism's suffering from. People don't have or don't feel a unified body, citizens kind of, you know, put together. Yeah. And, and in, in an interesting sense, yeah, true. you know, I think that's something hard to build, but yeah, you have to you have to create a society where people are proud of things, you know, that there, there's in, you're yeah. encouraging these things so you know interesting stuff like even I, i'm not saying i'm for the royal family but you know i think that the jubilee the queen's jubilee they, they are things that where you see people come together and, and you know perhaps to leave things on a or you know to at least mention things on a positive note i think covid19 is also showing you know the beautiful aspects of human nature you know you do see people going out of their way to help others a lot of altruism you know massive yeah. innovation and um yeah. and you know you'd like to hope and and this is part of what it was arguing that after COVID-19, you know, after this, we, we can see these faults more and we keep, you know what, that's it. How we move forward is we continue behaving as we were in COVID-19, you know, after perhaps continuing to care for neighbours, continuing to do all these things that we seem to only yeah. really focus on a, in times of national emergency. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What are the yeah. positive, positive <laughs> changes that COVID-19 has brought about? And although I'm I'm not too fond. People washing their fucking hands. Yeah. That's the problem. Soap. I, yeah. <laughs> I see people in the toilets walk walking out after they're doing a piss. Or a shit, bro. I've seen people wash out, walk out of a cubicle. Filthy fam. pig. Mm. What are you doing? Mm. Imagine walking out of a disgusting. cubicle using your hand to wipe your cheeks and then, I don't know, just touching the door handle straight. Eating sandwich. Mm. But I mean, that was it. Let's not finish on that. Let's uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I completely agree. I mean, my, fucking hands. I mean, my family has all been together in this house. We've all been in each other's company. We've all been enjoying each other's company. Like it's that alone. Like bringing the family units tight and all that type of thing. The longing to see your friends and all that sort of the longing for human connection. Mm. There have been lots of positive changes as well. Like I mean, going out to help your your neighbours if they're isolating and they can't go out to get food. You need to go out to get the food for them. That type of thing. Mm. I do yeah. think these are all very positive changes. I'm reluctant to agree that something like Extinction Rebellion, um, ah, with yeah. the whole regulating of oh carbon God. and all that type of thing, is the way forward. But then I think what you went on to after that, which was having everyone believe in some sort of common goal and bringing together a sense of community, would inevitably lead to something along those lines anyway. I mean, I'm just of the inclination yep. that the less laws there are, the better. And it's more sort of an un... I mean, there are obviously some some base level laws, like you need something to make sure there isn't anarchy or anything like that. But the type of person 
that a society needs to breed for a lack of laws to create anarchy. I mean, that's a sick society anyway. So to fix a society, you're going to have a much more sound populace who won't need the same level of laws in order to be decent human beings. So I agree with what you're saying. I mean, saying. that's Aristotle. Yeah. To fix the society, you need to murk half of them off with Corona. Yeah, what I mean, can I just say I'm not Stop I agree with you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Things Rebellion's not, you know, I'm, I was just kind of drawing that as an example. I'm just not, one I'm, idea. No, no, I mean, yeah, they, I'm not massively big on, on the way they're doing it either no, I, I definitely see yeah. what you mean there no, I mean is. at least they're bringing attention to a cause that we all need to take seriously but yeah yeah that's true that's very true alright has anyone got anything they'd like to finish off at um, how about you tell the listeners where they can find your article if they're interested in reading more yeah well it was um, posted on the Res Publica website it's blog post on my Instagram probably best yeah Hamza on the yeah. Spooking go on to three I've got it in my bio but um, yeah I mean have a read it is a bit wordy and complicated. I'm trying to. I'm trying to fix my writing style. Nah, mate. I was enjoying it. Yeah. There were times where I had to read the sentence or two. But, no, right. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, bear with me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try and. I'm, I'm working on like, improving my writing style now. But you know, give it a read. And you know, I, I always say this because like, I genuinely mean it. Like I do want people to try and pick me up on on, on what I'm saying mm-hmm. here. Like you know, even what you're saying, John, is that that whole you know society needing few laws it's quite aristotle you know he says society well governed or of, of, of good individuals needs few laws so uh, i like i like when people p- pick up on stuff so yeah if you've got anything you yeah. want to kind of critique and that's another comment. major thing is that we all need to be able to disagree <coughs> yeah. in a productive yeah. manner mm. because at the moment it's just one screaming camp against the other i mean even with this corona thing it's like i didn't necessarily agree with everything that you were saying and vice versa but to not even give someone the platform which to air their opinion Mm. I mean, anyway, this is going down another road, but yeah. yeah Ollie, do you want to yeah. say something funny? <laughs> no. no <Whoopee>! <laughs> 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 yeah. No, I think that the good thing about being Greek is that this sense of community has always yeah. been there for me, and now people can actually experience it along as I do. Yeah. Which is which is a great thing. But just a shame you've all got Tony Cox really, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We've all seen those Greek statues. I might be be short in height. (laughs) But long in (laughs) 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 But no, I agree. And I think a lot of that like a lot of the people that live around here, um, they're sort of if they were being honest with themselves, they're salty by um, the Greek community and that type of thing. Uh, and that's probably why there's some angst towards them. Because I quite like it when I'm walking through Southgate and I'm seeing uh, sort of collectors of Greek people outside a Greek cafe and they're all like laughing this and the other like it's something it's like being in Greece. But <laughs> nice. I, I would say English people don't really have that. I mean, no, they do. And that's the thing. It's just <laughs> that we haven't experienced it because of number one, where we live. And number two, as a country, it has got less. If you go into the countrysides, the towns, the this, that and yeah. the other, you do definitely see it. It's still there. But it is becoming less prevalent. Then you're in England. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. England. London's, yeah. London's a little bubble. Then you're in Brixie. But yeah, no, I think, um, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Hamza. Mm. It's been very insightful, some great Thanks discussion. And hopefully people enjoy listening to these ideas coming back and forth. I've enjoyed listening. Yeah, it, bro. Yeah, Ollie's yeah, basically been Ollie's, a listener. You Ollie's should uh, download the podcast to get a <laughs> I'm going to download it. I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> <listen, laughs> I'm going to make some notes. Yeah. <laughs> Any questions, I'll be able to send it through on Instagram. Wait, can I ask one thing quick? I know we're at the end. I just wanted to ask one thing because Luke mentioned it earlier. What, what, what's your thoughts 
just everyone on the conspiracy idea because i'm not mentioning it because i don't know how i feel but i've heard some people talk about how corona you know might have been something that was you know developed because you know there yeah. are ideas that it doesn't harm kids as much and population I f- and i, I just want to like know other it's people's. very mm. it's very interesting that china none none of china's leaders have got have tested positive for corona yet there's people like bojo um and all over Europe that Mikel Arteta come on if we're going to lead off our leaders I mean if you want to and then they've now they've now they've now come out of lockdown and are capitalising on their potential gains from starting production again where everyone can't and also how like Beijing and Shanghai which are pretty close in like relatively compared to places like New York mm. that like New York I think had over 700 deaths today or yesterday sorry and it's like how these cities manage to survive and have very few very few um corona if you want conspiracies in a conspiracy I mean Bojo getting corona just as the time as this bill 122 is passing and the media focusing entirely on Bojo getting corona I mean, if we're looking at mm. coincidences and how that was very convenient. Well, that's thing, and then if you want to also look at, you're talking about deaths and all that. I mean, my whole take on the corona situation is that there is, may, it may well be unwitting, but there is definitely, seems to be a global agenda to exaggerate the prevalence of this coronavirus purely Ooh. based upon the fact that they are counting deaths as corona deaths, wherever you look, that are not entirely corona deaths. They're comorbidities or they're someone who's died of something completely unrelated to the virus, but upon death, they test positive to have something in their system that is the COVID-19. Oh, that's another corona death. I mean, Mm. just that alone, to me, is enough to sort of raise an eyebrow and think, well, if they're for the first time in history, reporting deaths like that when they're not. Like, why is that? Why is this the first time in our history that that's happened? You never get that when it's a bad flu season. You never get that. I heard that in America they're doing that because there's an issue with insurance payouts and the hospitals Hmm. listing them all as COVID deaths means that they don't have to pay out in the same way. Well, I mean, that is literally the definition of a conspiracy. So what you just described there, if that is true. But that, I mean, I wouldn't put it past being like that. But then why across the world is it like that? We know for a fact that in Italy that's happening. We know for a fact in the UK. I know someone in the UK who has died of a broken hip and then hip replacement related uh, complications. They ended up dying. They also just so happened to have COVID-19 present in their body at the time of death. And now they're dead because of coronavirus. it's it's very, very coincidental as well that just when there was all of this uproar about the climate, the impact to it, mm. and all of this, <clears throat> then we have this massive pandemic where it draws the public's eyes away from that and also does kind of can kind of help it in terms of carbon emissions. I mean, that is a but, positive conspiracy in a way. If you're thinking that global yeah, leaders yeah, have yeah, come yeah. together to stage a pandemic um, in order to save the environment, I mean, I fucking hope you're right. But yeah. I fucking That's doubt it. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, no. I wish that but was the case. The, that would be fucking good. And what, then there's what a beautiful also conspiracy. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And then there's also like when China's kind of on getting near to the tipping point of being the or overtaking 
the US as the global power sort of thing. Mm. Like, it's all, I mean, militarily, it's all very, very near, coincidental but, yeah. in yeah. each other. But then there's also just like, there's been these natural disasters for years, thousands of years. And yeah, it I mean, probably all, is, in, 20, it probably in is 2015, that, 2014, I said it in the last podcast, the mm. UK, bro, 40,000, 50,000 excess people died. That is a massive proportion of the population, especially when you consider mm. that only up to 10,000 are supposed to die this time. Yeah. So we yeah. do go through these stages of unprecedented change, death, and all this type of thing. It's just that I am very sceptical of the severity that this coronavirus truly poses and how many things are changing as a result. I mean, I'm not entirely well-versed on the whole um, Patriot Act that was enacted after 9-11, but I know that those laws are mm-hmm. still very much in play. However, I mean, how long has it been since then? Like 20 years, almost. And they were, again, yeah. supposed to be a temporary change to tackle terrorism. And again, I mean, are, have you heard of a terrorist attack in the last, what, like five, uh, three, four months? Well, they, they're all... Are they all I mean, self-isolating? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're following the rules, following the rules, aren't they? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm always... I, I ask because I just kind of wanted to get a feel for... Like, what feel did you get from You us? never know what conspiracy is. Yo, yeah, it seems like you don't. Yeah, you, you, I get why. The thing for me, the only thing I, I, I'm skeptical of, and I, I don't know if this is a conspiracy because parts of it are true, but I don't know how much of an impact it had. But you know, China knew about this since October. There was a Chinese doctor, yeah. I believe, it was it was trying to contact the government, and the government oh, yeah, weren't responding to him. Whistleblower. The whistleblower, right? And he died taking care of COVID nineteen patients. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know you never know with conspiracies. I'm, I'm told, not saying they didn't. He happen. was actually told like to mm. sign an agreement saying that. He didn't mean anything that he said, and it's like wrong what he said, didn't he? Or something really? like that. Really? Okay, yeah. yeah he no. was actually been forced to sign something saying that, oh, this this stuff isn't true, what I'm preaching. Sort yeah, because it sounded like they went down him, and I suppose. And then you he know, died, yeah. <laughs> mm, so it's like, yeah. It, there's a lot to say for potential conspiracy why didn't you tell everyone there was a virus in the country (laughs) that had just come out like why didn't was that not something that we needed to know about (laughs) but um but like yeah i know that's that's about i mean conspiracy look man i don't i don't believe i don't deny them or accept them you know as as a philosopher and i think that's the best (laughs) way to be i do think that's the best way to be because there are so many people that will shut down stuff and i mean if you just need to like look recently at youtube they removed a video done by london real who had david ike who is like a career conspiracy theorist is what he's labeled as and they not only deleted the video after it received sixty thousand live viewers when it went when it premiered but they also um have put i think they're putting sanctions on london real's account they're removing other videos of a similar nature it was on i think it was based on 5g they all of that type of thing they basically it's, it's triggered a crackdown on that type of information and I'm just sat here thinking mm. why what good does removing that content do because the people that are believing that stuff uh, vehemently anyway are going to take that as a sign that it must be yeah. true and then other people are going to hear it like I didn't know about this until the, after the fact and I was like ah oh, let me have a little look into it it's drawn other people towards that content and I mean if you want to go conspiracy conspiracy, uh, conspiracy maybe that is what they wanted or whatever to put more people mm. onto a uh, red herring but I mean, this you can go on and on about this type of shit, man. I've actually got um, <laughs> a guy who is very much invested in the whole uh, global conspiracy um, arguments um, lined up for an interview on this podcast in the coming days. So 
I think that's going to be quite an interesting I'll have a one. listen. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, that GG. If you enjoy hearing alternate views, make sure you tune into our next episode of the Lost in Middle podcast, where we invite Ryan Wood, a shamanic healer, to discuss. Well, to put it bluntly, we're going to be talking about the conspiracy theories surrounding Corona and how it may have been orchestrated for quite some time by the powers that be, the Illuminati, our alien overlords, shadow government, lizard people, space Nazis. Stay tuned. Yeah, I, I had a thoroughly enjoyable time. It was a very good chat. And we should right, do this again sometime. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Write thanks so much for having me, Write some controversial shit on your uh, um, blog, yeah, for... What was the name of the um, <laughs> company again? Respublica. Respublica. Write some controversial shit on there. Obviously, you need to, like, get it through them. Otherwise, yeah. they might say, no, we're not putting them. Yeah. But, yeah, let's... No, they love it. And then jump on the podcast and try and defend it. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Explain it in English, yeah. Well, cheers. But, yeah, man, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. All the best. Yeah, thank you very much, Hamza. Thank you very much, everyone who's listening, and we'll see you in the next one. See you later, people. Cheers, people. Cheers, people. Bye. You have been listening to the Lost in the Middle podcast.